Welcome to another episode of the Africa Business Sport Podcast with myself, Adam Spio, and my ever-present co-host, Jabu Mtua. Today, we are looking into a different aspect of the sports business industry, which is a bit more easy on the ears and somewhat very innovative. Jabu, who do we have for our audience today? Adam, given our fascination with the ever-increasing interconnections and intersections, between sports, fashion, and pop culture and entertainment, we thought it would be a privilege uh, to just reach out and speak to one of the leading individuals who are pioneering within the African diaspora and doing that through what has become one of the leading official streetwear brands for the African diaspora. I'm talking about Mizizi, which in Swahili means roots, and we're very excited to hear about where the CEO and founder of Mzizi comes from his roots and why essentially he started Mzizi, but also how fashion and sport intersects within his experience. So great privilege and honor to have on the founder and CEO of Mzizi, Paco Esando. Paco, welcome on to the Africa Business of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's a pleasure, Jabu. Adam, thank you all so much for, for even considering us. Uh, I'm excited to talk today. Paco, take us back to when you actually started Mizizi, because, you know, doing some reading, I can see that it was a very important time in your own life. It was a defining moment for you in your junior year at the University of South Florida, studying to go into a more medical or medicine field. And so this was a complete twist into your own life. So tell us, Take us back to those days and essentially how this idea germinated. Yeah, by all means. So as you're saying, I originally had the idea of Mazizi whenever I was attending the University of South Florida. Um, it's in Tampa. It's It was an interesting school. But so just a little bit more background. Um, I'm Ghanaian, but I was born in Brooklyn. I ended up moving to like Columbus, Ohio, whenever I was two years old. From there, ended up moving to Texas, where I was really raised, and that's where I really actually embraced my African heritage. Um, and then whenever I got to Florida for university, actually, the way that it was just a complete culture shock. Like, I I, I had never had experienced so much Caribbean culture. Um, and I, honestly, I felt really isolated. I, I felt alone because, one, um, I coming from Texas, that I didn't even know people still listen to dance hall. I didn't know that that, that regular was a thing. I, I had no way of actually like connecting with those who were like black like me, but they were just from a different culture. So the idea of Mazizi was inspired because, I mean, honestly, I was lonely. And then uh, I had met this guy from Kenya who he would wear the coolest stuff, fly spears, like fly spits, and it would have Kenyan fabric stitched into it. And I was like, ah, like this, this is really cool stuff. And knowing I had the background in, in Texas where I just knew a bunch of dope Africans, I was like, okay, there might be some opportunity here. This might be a way for me to connect with others that are that are um, at school with me that are like, like I said, they're, they're same skin tone as me, but just had different background. Um, and it also kind of, that loneliness had forced me myself to even learn more about my own like Ghanaian heritage and, and look back on my own like identity. Going to school, I was trying to become a pharmacist. I was studying biomedical sciences. Completely hated it. Tampa, it, it was rough. I ended up taking a um, a sophomore uh, semester off of school, my sophomore year. 
like after freshman year, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in Tampa anymore. Like, this is too hard. I'm too lonely. Let me go back to Texas and try to figure things out. And that's when I worked as a farm tech at a retail pharmacy. And it, it was just not to knock the profession. Like it, we need pharmacists, we need farm techs, we need people to help us, like give us our medicine and provide us with information about how it may affect us. But it just wasn't for me. I don't want to go back to school just to end up here um, or end up back here rather. So that's when I started taking the idea of Mazizia a little bit more seriously. It was supposed to be everything from head to toe, from like uh, hats, shirts, pants, socks, like the whole nine yards. Um, so that I'd be able to rep my my Ganyan traditional heritage, but in a modern way. So I, I went to New York for a little bit. I tried to find a manufacturer that would do everything from start to finish, from uh, ideation and design all the way to production, distribution and logistics. And the, the people I found just told me I was trying to do too much. They told me that they would have to hire extra staff in order to produce the entire collection I wanted to do and that it just wasn't feasible. So I, I was really discouraged. And I remember like I, I was scouring the fashion district in New York and um, I, I couldn't find anybody. All the fabrics that I were finding, they were all cheaply made. Um, they didn't look anything like they, they were presented on their websites. And I was just really discouraged. And I remember the manufacturer had said that I need to downsize. And I'm a rebellious guy. I don't like hearing that. But honestly, I, I just took it and I thought about it. I was like, okay, if I downsize on the idea, if I, if I focus on one product that I know will do well, what is it? And at the time, there was a baseball jersey trend that was going on with the United States. Every retailer had baseball jerseys. Everybody was rocking their own jersey. I was like, ah, I, I've never seen an African baseball jersey before. So let's see what I can do with this. And um, that's when I was like, okay. I started diving a bit more deeper into the idea. I ended up going back to school at USF uh, just because I was just like, ah, I don't want to end up in Texas still and like no other school where we're throwing me scholarship money. Um, still searched for manufacturers in the United States that could help me produce this line of African baseball jerseys. Started doing more research, figuring out, okay, which countries had the biggest enclaves or populations within the United States. And I deduced it was like, at the time, it was Ghana, and this is 2015, keep in mind, or 2014 going into 2015. It was Ghana, Nigeria, Egypt, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Kenya, and then I made a like a black Africa baseball jersey that had all the flags, including Caribbean flags, just to connect the entire diaspora and be inclusive. And um, even my sophomore year, still trying to find a manufacturer that would produce this, I found someone to help me beef up the designs um, and I really did my research and figuring out like, okay, with each of these countries, how can I make people feel like they're truly and authentically being represented through this, this jersey. And, um, the way I spent hours, hours looking into each of these countries, trying to figure out like, okay, what are the small things that I can include in the design that makes people like, ah, this guy gets it, you know, like this guy knows about us. Um, so like, that the manufacturer that I found, they helped me like beef up the designs, but they still were just a ridiculous cost. And um, I actually, I honestly, I tried to license the idea of Mazizi. So my sophomore year going into my junior summer, I had spent that entire like three months finding all the African streetwear brands, apparel brands, sportswear brands that aligned with my idea. And I was like, okay, if I can't find a manufacturer to actually make the products, 
how about I just do the grunt work? I'll, uh, I'll figure out the best ways to sell the products, where these populations are at, who are they following on social media, how, how to best communicate with them. And I'll let these other companies actually make it produce and I'll make my money back off royalties. And every company told me no. And Charlie, the way, the way that I, I was looking at companies in Canada and Europe and Australia, everybody were like, this was cool, but we have enough on our plate or they just ignored me. It wasn't until this is like July of 2015, the last person that I pitched to, and honestly, I, I call it divine connection, divine intervention, because I told you I hated Tampa. I was going, I was, I was really depressed when I went back to school. I ended up moving to Orlando and sleeping on a friend's couch that I grew up with. And he was going to UCF, University of Central Florida. We were doing odd jobs just to, just to keep hope alive, just to make money that I could pour back into like further like creating this idea and his roommate had a brother who made custom baseball jerseys for celebrities in Miami and I pitched the idea of Mazizi to him and I was like yo I know this is not your your like direct market but there is an opportunity here and the the diaspora the afropolitan african culture is becoming more and more integrated in western pop culture so I'd love if you take a look at my my business plan and see what you think and he was like, ah, ah, this is not for me, but you need to stop looking for manufacturing in the United States. Look for manufacturing overseas um, and see what you can do about getting getting quotes from Asia. And I did so. And I realized that I was getting quoted a tenth of the cost any of the American manufacturers were charging me. I got some samples in. They were 10 times the quality of anything that, that the other, the California or New York manufacturer had showed me. And by then, like I knew all my competitors because I had pitched to them. I knew all the research because I had really done my digging and figuring out like where these, these diasporas were located and how to communicate with them. And I had finally found that missing piece of like, okay, how can I make it at an affordable cost so I can sell it at an affordable cost? And I ended up getting, once I got those samples in, I flew back home to Dallas. I set up a photo shoot with the homies. And yeah, I, I officially launched Mazizi on August 30th, 2015. And I've been running with it full time ever since. That's a pretty special story Paco I have to say because it speaks to a lot of themes that really speak to the human spirit the resilience that you had courage uh continuing to knock on those doors and here you are today is it seven eight years later uh working with some of the biggest brands in the world something I'd love to hear more about because as we're doing you know our research just came up and in our last call before this podcast, uh, we actually spoke about Mizizi, and this is something you didn't mention. I don't know if it's whether uh, you are a very humble individual, or is it the case that you forgot, but you, with Mizizi, has collaborated with the Black Panther. I mean, that's yes. incredible. That's <laughs> incredible. I mean, like, for a, 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 young, a young child with African origin, that's like stuff of dreams. How did that come about? And what impacts has that had? I mean, Adam, like, it's pretty incredible the size of brands that Mizizi has worked in such a short period of time. 100%. And you know, I remember when I told, when I first told Jabu, I was like, there's no one doing what he's doing within that space. And that directly links to what Jabu and I are doing. There's no one else who's doing what we're doing in this space. So we really value the essence and the journey of entrepreneurship. And when I perused your profile, I saw big, Brands had written articles about you. I was like, yo, this guy is not a joke. This guy really is doing it out there. 
And for us as, you know, entrepreneurs who really believe in black excellence, even within that space, we can only say congratulations. I mean, being, having, having a partnership with Black Panther, that is, that is something else, Chad. That is something else. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Like, so we partnered with Marvel for Black Panther. We did something with Disney for Lion King, as well as uh, Viacom for the Coming to America sequel. And um, yeah, we, I, I think we've done really well in positioning ourselves as like the African apparel authority um, for these big name brands to connect with so that they can communicate with the African diaspora and hop on this this wave and trend that um, as Africa is becoming more and more in the spotlight and becoming more and more integrated with pop culture. And um, yeah, so at, at the time, this was... This was like end of 2017. We were we were only two years old at the time. Um, this was when the Black Panther movie trailer had dropped. Ah, this is 2017, 2018. One of the years. But um, yeah, yeah the, the, so at the end of like, this was October. Right. Black Panther movie trailer had dropped. Uh, everybody was going on Twitter going crazy. And people were like, ah, we need to wear traditional wear to, to the movie theater. And then we had our customers that were like, no, we need to wear Mazizi to the movie theater. And then we, there was even a smaller segment of customers that were like, no, Mazizi needs to make a jersey for this movie so that we can wear it to the movie theater. And I, at the time, like I said, we were like two years old going on three. And I was like, oh, there's no way this this huge corporation, Marvel, is going to even take us serious and work with us. But I started doing more and more research and figuring out, okay, what is the like current apparel products that marvel has like what are their others uh jerseys look like um what problems are they having currently communicating with their black audiences in the african diaspora now and how do i position mazizi to be that solution for them and um it, it took me like about two three months we designed a mock-up like black panther wakanda jersey ended up uh putting together this entire pitch deck and I, I pitched it to Marvel's licensing team. Like I went on their website and everything, figured out their licensing email, sent it to them and um, immediately got rejected. <laughs> immediately they were like, no, we already have um, merchandisers and, and licensees that we work with. We don't need anymore. And this is when my rebellious side came in and I was like, ah, like I, I hear your no, but where I'm from, no means maybe and maybe means yes. So unfortunately, I can't take your no for an answer. Oh man, they, they didn't like that. They didn't like that at all. They were like, if you if you proceed to release anything with Marvel IP on it, we will have to take legal action. And um, they stopped responding to my emails. And I was like, okay, let, let me back up. I'm not trying to get pseudo. We, we were only we really three years old. Like I, I can't afford to for our business to go on the ground already. And um, I started, I was like, okay, we can't go through the, the front door. How about we go through the back door? How about we show them that there is proof of concept and that people actually want this jersey? So we ended up in like January. This is January 20, whatever year the, the movie came out. I think it was 2018, 2019. 2018, yep. No, 2018, yeah, January 2018. And we we put together this whole Mazizi from Marvel campaign. We shot, the, we made some samples of the jersey. We shot this video for it. We posted it on social media and we were like, yo, we want to release this jersey for you guys, but you need to tag Marvel and let them know that this is what you want. And the, the campaign took off. It went viral. Um, it got picked up by like random places like the Shade Room and stuff. And it, it was amazing. But they still, I sent the email to them showing them all this. They're still like, no, leave us alone. 
And um, I, I, honestly, I got really discouraged. February was right around the corner. The movie came. We had, we hosted this whole, like, we called it Mazizi Movie Night to where we rented out a movie theater. And we were like, hey, if you're a Mazizi customer, come with your jersey and come watch the Black Panther movie with us for free. And show them that, like, regardless of it, if y'all want to work with us or not, we still support the movie. And we still want to show y'all that, like, we love the, what you're doing and, and putting on for, for the African diaspora and doing a movie where they're showing, like, an African superhero. And um, throughout that entire time, hey, this was my first time making a LinkedIn. I was just like, oh, I'm the CEO. What do I need a LinkedIn for? But back in October, when I started, like, thinking about this, I was like, okay, even if I get a random email from somebody that's asking for this whole shebang, I'm going to Google them. I'm going to look them up and see what pops up. And did I want my Instagram to be the person that popped up or did I want my, my LinkedIn to be the person that popped up? And so I created a LinkedIn. I started kind of, I wasn't the most active at the time, but I still tried to beef it up to make it seem like, okay, like this is a serious guy, serious business. And I had went and searched. I, I don't recommend this. Uh, I don't recommend spamming people who work at companies on LinkedIn, but I'm going to try everything possible. So I, I looked up who worked at Marvel's licensing department on LinkedIn. I sent a, a cold DM to each of them, um, literally anybody I could find, anybody that would, that would connect with me. And majority of the people that worked there ignored me, but there was someone who actually responded to me. And it, it wasn't like her promising anything, but every blue moon, she was like, oh, this is great. This is a cool idea. Thanks for sending me this. And it would just be like small, small updates here and there every, every like three weeks, every four weeks, whatever. And after Mazizi movie night, my team and I, we had actually decided, we were like, look, we've put way too much time, money, attention into a product that we can't even profit off of. We can't even like sell this and make money off of this. So why are we still like continuing this after the movie has even like dropped? So, so as a team, we had like concluded, let's move forward and just like move on past and continue releasing the products that we were going to release. But that lady had on LinkedIn had responded to me after I sent her the Mazizi movie night. And she was like, yo, I, I appreciate your just ambition, your tenacity, your, your persistence of anything, let me get an email for you and I'll be back. I was like, okay, fingers crossed. I, I didn't want to put too much weight into it, but I was like, let's see what, what she comes out with. So she sent me the email like a few days later. I sent the pitch to them and this was an email for somebody at Disney. And I waited a week, I heard nothing back. But I was like, okay, even though we've moved on, if I had this email Months ago, I still would have sent a follow-up and still been consistent with them and, and tried to see what can be done about like releasing this. So that's when I had um, sent a follow-up email. Literally within an hour, I got a call from Disney's consumer products team. They're like, yo, we love this pitch. Can you come to LA and see how we can discuss making this a real thing? And yeah, within 24 hours, I was in LA with Disney's consumer products team and we're ironing out, okay, how can Mazizi released the Black Panther Wakanda jersey as a part of the DVD movie merchandise. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. And after that, that's whenever like, they're like, okay, they brought it back. Like, okay, Disney, we want to do something for Lion King. Let, let's let's bring this guy back and for our merchandise rollout. And we were part of the movie rollout for that one. And then they recommended us to Viacom for coming to America. And that's when we worked with them to release a whole Zamunda collection. And yeah, yeah, it, literally it's been love ever since. Paco, as a founder and entrepreneur within the 
fashion, sports, merchandise industry. How has your experience been with developing your very first prototype to the mm. product that you have right now? And what was the inspiration behind the Springboks baseball jersey, the very beautiful jerseys, by the way, to really honor the Springboks at this year's Rugby World Cup? And moving forward long term in the next five to ten years, where do you see yourself playing an active role within sports and pop culture, perhaps through partnering with either African football clubs or the organizations that run them? So, so to answer your first part, I think the fact that we we took the lane for developing sports apparel to represent African culture and heritage is what's been setting us apart. Um, I think typically, at least over here in America, you'll see that a lot of clothing lines that are representing just Africa or wherever country that they're from are typically typically traditional wear. So I think the fact that we're able to engage with the diaspora through um baseball jerseys, basketball jerseys, soccer jerseys, uh, has been a way for us to really differentiate ourselves in a lane that people just haven't seen before. Um, And honestly, it's been amazing because now, eight years later, when we see the, with the emergence of the Basketball Africa League or NFL Africa, um, or even the African Super League, um, you'll see that there's like becoming more and more of like prominence and spotlight on African sports, Africans in sports. And um, I, I feel like we, we've just positioned ourselves to be um, one of just the, the best candidates to help like push that movement and support that movement, especially when it comes to like, we, we've seen the NBA players like Bismack Bayombo for, for Congo or Desmond Bain with our Nigeria jersey. And it, it's just amazing to see because as you see more Africans that are playing within these professional leagues, you're starting to see them become even more and more proud of their heritage and where they're from. And like, yeah, it, it's just amazing. And in regards to the South African, the Springboks baseball jersey that we just released, um, we so for some time, we we released a South Africa jersey before, but we discontinued it. And our customers have been asking us, ah, we need something for South Africa, bring something back. And we're like, okay, how can we really make something new that that still is authentic to South African Safas in, in the Zanzi culture. And that's when I started doing my research. I started learning all about Aito and Pantila culture. Uh started learning about the history of the Springboks and how they've had an impact on uniting like South Africans. And um, I was like, okay, like let, let's design something that's green and gold. Let's incorporate 1994, the year that South Africa gained independence or had the start of the first democracy. And and then how can we incorporate like Pantula? Because, you know, I'm a piano is just everywhere right now. But people don't necessarily know that it derived from Quito and, and, and Pantula beforehand. And um, I was like, okay, how can we tell that story and incorporate that in our visual campaign and how we, we go about shooting the photo shoot? So you'll see, like, if, if you get the chance to look at the just the visuals for that jersey, you'll see, one, it's a lot of green and gold. Two, you'll see, like, we've incorporated, like, the bucket hats, baggy, like, button-downs under the shirts and, and pants, um, even down to the Chuck Taylors, you know? Like, we, we really wanted to make sure we we're staying true to the tradition and making sure that we're authentically, authentically um, representing South Africans for this lunch. Uh, and it, it's honestly, it's it's been amazing. The reception, the feedback that we've gotten from uh, just South Africans within the United States, especially here in New York, has been incredible. There's something about it that just encapsulates our own style as South Africans. And clearly you definitely done your research in you know, knowing what is going to 
have a taste within our market or what is going to appeal to South Africans in the U.S. or people in the African diaspora. And so for this release to coincide with such an important moment for us, it's, it's really powerful. And it's also really good that, you know, you also acknowledge uh, the deep history of things like music and how you are now taking that into consideration when designing this apparel. It's pretty fascinating, this approach that you have to designing this. Paco, I'd love to know, we did touch on this um, before we recorded around how does one get their hands on this? And that inevitably led to the conversation around distribution. So with regards to Mizizi and it being as accessible to you know people in, that, in the diaspora, which is already possible, but to go and be able to buy it myself, someone who's living in Africa, when are we going to get to that stage where distribution is worldwide and where are you at the moment? So it, it's been a challenge. I'm, I'm not even going to, to lie about it. Like it's been a tricky shipping to the continent. Um, the goal is to eventually bring manufacturing back home. We were looking at some manufacturers in Lesotho um, and Butts in, in South Africa to see like, okay, if we can manufacture on the continent, then it'd be a lot easier. Assuming that would be easier to distribute within the continent as well. Um, but as of right now, what we've seen we do offer shipping to every country. Um, typically, we we recommend DHL because uh, if you do it just regular economy, it typically gets lost in customs or we'll see that uh, there's been times where it's been stolen before even reaching like the, the final place or uh, customs officers will say that ah, this, this, is, this is for sale or redistribution give us our cut and ask for ridiculous VAT fees and prices or just some some side money just to get it into the country. Um, so it, it's been challenging, but as of right now, we recommend that customers either A, purchase it and, and have it delivered to somebody that they know within the country or within uh, the US that can bring it whenever they're coming back home to the whatever country that you're in. Um, or B, I've seen, so like for instance, Kenya, there's a lot of Kenyan freight forwarders that like uh, people from Kenya will ship to the freight forwarder that's here in the States. And from there, that freight forwarder will find a way to get it to Kenya for a, a more affordable cost than it would be for DHL. And although that timeline is typically a bit longer, it's still more reliable than if you just bought it like economy and had it shipped um, direct to the continent from like, the cheapest way possible. So at the moment, it's not the most it's expensive. It's expensive, but we're trying. And I, I do see us in time being able to build our own manufacturing like facilities, whether it's be, we, we looked in a lot of places. We've looked at Ghana, we've looked at Nigeria, we looked at Kenya, even Ethiopia, um, and kind of seeing like where would be the best place to, to start and then expand from there. But as of right now, we haven't made the most progress. It's still been a bit tricky. But the goal is to bring everything back home so that we can like employ more Africans and, and start providing more opportunities for those on the continent. Um, as of right now, both of our designers are in Accra. So they're the ones who design everything. Ken, Ken Obang, Ken, Kenneth William Obang and Emmanuel Burko, Kofi, great guys, incredibly talented. Um, and like uh, they, they really show me because a lot of people think that, uh, it's hard working with Africans or uh, Africans are not serious, but they, they've truly, truly shown me otherwise. Like they've shown me what it means to find serious people, you know, 
serious people who who care about the business and um, honestly take well once you find serious people they can take your business so far so so far these guys are incredibly hardworking. so yeah the the goal is to eventually bring everything back home so we're not necessarily so we can have that made in africa tag i mean Paco, the more i listen to you the more i'm really enjoying this conversation i'm sure jabu will agree with me this is a true master class on pop culture and sports within fashion just before we wrap up, one way of tackling distribution when we are speaking is through having partnership and sponsorship with known sports-based directly and indirectly sports-based entities within the continent that I can partner with. What is the plan for African sports clubs and organizations moving forward such that you can have products being made on the continent for the continent and growing very well? So the goal, I want to be on the international stage, or like I want us to be outfitting uh, different countries, African countries specifically within like the Olympics, World Cup, that that gets that global recognition and attention. Because uh, you know that these these every year when there is like a big event, there's always that there's always a, a handful of countries whose outfits or jerseys just go crazy. They go viral. Everybody loves them. And like we've seen what happened with Nigeria and Nike back in. This was what the 2020 World Cup, um, so like I I want us to be on that stage. I want us to be representing African countries. Typically, it, it's been a bit challenging because um, one thing I've seen the the usual structure in regards to like sports kit sponsorship is that the company like the sportswear company typically pays these federations um, like six figures in order to get the rights and branding to use their national IP. And oh, we, we're not Nike. We, we can't afford to to match them and pay like that same price to for that that like to utilize the national IP for each of these countries. But I think we will get there. Uh, I don't know who's going to be the first country. Been looking at Ghana. Been uh, looking at South Africa. Been even been looking at Kenya too. Even Ethiopia. Ah, there's a lot of countries that we've been looking at that like we've seen that they're a bit more flexible. They don't have these big name brands that are partnering with them. So they're still looking for other opportunities, other companies that can come in and partner with them. But I, time will tell. Time will see which com which country is that best fit for us that we can truly, truly work with and just display their heritage on that world stage. But yeah, we, we shall see. We shall see. Well, this is definitely uh, a great opportunity for a forward-thinking, innovative National Football Federation to get in touch with Mazizi today if they want to be at the frontier of sports fashion, pop culture in Africa, I believe. Fantastic conversation with the CEO of Mazizi, Paco Esando. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure talking to y'all. Thank you guys so much for, for having this chat. Like, it's been amazing, man. 100% top, 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 top masterclass <laughs> to our audience. Thank you for joining us for once again an episode on the Africa Business Sport Podcast. Do check out Mizizi everywhere on their socials, on their websites as well. Paco, thank you once again. Bless you for your time. I appreciate y'all, man. Until next time, Adam, Jabu, this, this was a pleasure. It's an honor.